Cool. So, Seth, you have a new book coming out called Poke the Box. Um, could you tell us a little bit about why you wrote it and how it's different from you know your previous books? Sure. There, there's a crisis going on, and it's not just a cyclical recession. It's a crisis of our age, which really affects people who are under 30. And the crisis is this. Since 1910, we have lived in an industrial age. The way you made a living was working for a factory. Maybe it was a factory that made cars. Maybe it was a factory that made insurance. Maybe it was a factory that flew people on airplanes. But it was still a factory where you did what you did yesterday, but a little faster and a little cheaper. And this created huge wealth and huge productivity, but it also created a culture where people think what they're supposed to do is what they're told, where they think that their job is to fit in and their job is to be a cog in the system. And what has happened just in time for you guys is the factory, the system, the industrial age has fallen apart. It doesn't work anymore because anybody who does what they're told is under pressure to do it faster and cheaper. There's a race to the bottom. And we're seeing that played out in Wisconsin and we're seeing it in lots of other places. And the race to the bottom is a problem because you will lose the race to the bottom unless you win it, which means you'll lose anyway. Because being the fastest and the cheapest is really hard. The alternative is to race to the top. The alternative is to be the one who innovates, who creates, who pokes, who does work that matters, who creates art. Those people are in short supply. That work is scarce. Those people get paid a ton. They have more freedom and they have more fun. And so my book is only 86 pages long, and it's a permission slip. It says, if you were waiting for someone to tell you it's okay to do what you have been meaning to do anyway, here you go. Great. I mean, just based on that, I mean, I'm excited to pick it up because at under 30, that's a huge thing we simply promote to, to take that leap, take some action, and you know, just try and put yourself out there a little bit, which seems to be a very central theme of, um, of this book that's coming out, uh, I think, just in March 1st here. So what about, you know, what stops people, though, from taking that action and sort of the, that initiative to get to the top? You know, what are some of the barriers they come across? Well, the, the biggest one is that from the time you were five years old or earlier, people have been uh, holding up failure as a bad, bad thing telling you to fit in, telling you to sit down, telling you to sit in a straight row and do what you're told. You're told that for 12 years of school and a few years of college, you're between the binge drinking, and then you're told that at work at your first job. So it's sort of not an accident that you're brainwashed into believing it's true. And the second thing, and the reason it sticks, is that all of us have a prehistoric brain, a lizard brain, that lives in the back of our head and includes our amygdala. Uh, it's a scientific fact. This is the part of your brain that lights up when you hit turbulence on an airplane, or that freaks out when you have to give a speech. The lizard brain is organized to help you survive in a world of saber-toothed tigers and, and, and quicksand. The problem is there are no saber-toothed tigers anymore. And so that physical uh, response and reaction that you have to fear is actually sabotaging your very ability to succeed. So another big point that we get asked, you know, when we talk about taking a leap is, I thought you would be perfect to answer this. What, what is next though? What happens when you take that leap and then how do you, how do you stand out? You know, when someone starts a business, they say, okay, great, but what if no one sees me? I mean, how do you keep pushing through that? <laughs> well, of course no one's going to see you because there's too much clutter and there's too much noise. 
you're going to take a leap and you're going to fail, and then you're going to try something else and you're going to fail, and you're going to try something else and you're going to fail. The answer is not to spam the world uh, and to interrupt people who don't want to hear from you. The answer is, uh, I have a blog post about this called First Ten. The answer is to make something that the ten people who trust you and like you are so overwhelmed by and so excited by that they each tell ten more people. Now you have a hundred, and then you have a thousand, and then your Twitter, right? That <laughs> the magic is to make something that isn't average stuff for average people, which is what all the business books say you should do. Average stuff for average people is what all traditional business advisors tell you to do. But instead, you have to make remarkable stuff for a few people. That that is what the Google rewards. That's what the new system rewards, is that if there's 100 companies in the world and you make a product that three can't live without, you have three customers. That's right. enough. No, definitely. I completely agree with that. And I also like um, one thing I read, I, I think uh, it was in one of the excerpts from the book, but how you said the riskiest thing uh, we can do right now is nothing. And I was wondering if you could touch on that a little bit more because, again, a lot of people simply say that starting something is, is too risky. It's too risky to take the leap. And that's a very common word. So could you maybe explain a little bit more how it's riskier to not try anything? Well, sure. I mean, let's visit with some of the 20,000 people in Detroit who did exactly what Ford Motor Company told them to do day after day until the one day when all of them were laid off. Or, you know, let's talk about the people uh, who work for, uh, you know, a laptop company that just made boring laptops and netbooks using Microsoft software and Intel chips that were just like every other one that did exactly what they were told because anything else would be too risky. You know, what we see is that risky companies like Starbucks and JetBlue and Apple and Amazon, the risky companies are the ones that are actually the safest. And that's because we live in an upside-down crazy time. <laughs> Definitely. So, I mean, what are some things that you think someone could, you know, start doing this week maybe to put themselves in that mindset to take that leap? So, sort of some action items for people to go with. Well, I'm really glad you asked that question because the wrong answer is go raise $2 million, quit your job, and start a big company. <laughs> the right answer is get in the habit. Get in the habit of noticing things. Start a blog. Write one interesting thing a day. Make predictions. Figure out uh, how to change one person's life every day by interacting with them. Write a thank you note, one thank you note per day to someone who's had an impact on you. Start figuring out what happens when you have actual interactions with actual human beings in a way that changes both of you. That you're not going to undo 20 years of brainwashing in one minute. You're going to do it step by step by poking and learning and reading and noticing and mentioning and publishing until you get into the habit where you have no choice but to stand out. So, you know, again, going back to that, not thinking in the, you know, millions of dollars, but just even as simple as a Twitter account and putting that one interesting post out there and just starting in that direction. Am I hearing that correctly? Yeah, except it has to, you know, the, one of the challenges for Twitter is there's huge pressure to be like everybody else. Um, hmm. I, I think that the, the broader the canvas you give yourself to, you know, if uh, an example is, uh, let's say you work at a company uh, and you have 10 minutes a day that's not taken up. What would happen if in those 10 minutes you called a different customer every day and just spoke to them? 
what are we doing right, what are we doing wrong? Or just called them up and said, uh, I want to thank you for your business and I'm mailing you uh, a box of lollipops. These little tiny uh, things where you stand in the face of authority at first will be sh so scary, so shockingly scary that you think you're risking your job. And then you discover that when you do them, you don't die. So the next day you can do something a little bit bigger. And then you say, wait, why don't I just run a hackathon conference this Saturday? No money to come. Invite 50 people. No one might come, but 10 might. Let's see what happens. And it hmm. sure beats sitting at home watching ESPN. Right. No, definitely. That, that makes a lot of sense. I like, uh, again, I think people all the time think way too big. Um, and that almost sets themselves up for failure by thinking that way. Right. And they think big because the lizard is very clever. <laughs> and if you think big, you don't have to do it, so you're safe. <laughs> very true, very true. Um, all right, great. Well, we actually, we had a few, um, I, I asked on Twitter basically what, you know, people wanted to me to, uh, for me to ask you, and a couple people asked about your thoughts on the future of book publishing, and in particular how stores, Borders, Barnes & Noble, things like that, were going to compete in new media, and... I thought that because I know your new book, um, you actually are a partner, you're taking a leap yourself with something called the Domino Project, and I thought this might be perfect if you could maybe explain the Domino Project and your partner with partnership with Amazon, and how you think this is going to change publishing, or how you think um, publishing is changing already um, with the new media in the coming years. I'd be happy to. Uh, hold on, my phone is making a noise, I apologize, is that better? That's all right. I so the first thing i got to clarify is they're not our partner. Uh, Domino Projects is an independent company. Okay. We are, we are powered by Amazon, and that means we get mm. access to various tools and support from Amazon that most people can't, but one day probably will be able to. The, the short version is this. Book publishers think their customer is the bookstore. Uh, they know the bookstores. They make things for the bookstores. They price for the bookstores. They work with the bookstores. There's two problems. One, bookstores don't read books, and two, bookstores are falling apart and going out of business. And bookstores are going out of business for a whole bunch of economic, real estate, inventory, and marketing reasons that aren't really relevant. But what would happen if technology allowed publishers to have a connection not with bookstores, but with people who read books? And so the Domino Project is built around two ideas. One, we will have the tightest connection possible with our reader. We already have more than 20,000 people who went to the Domino Project blog, which you can find by Googling Domino Project, and have signed up to get our updates and to hear about our, our deals and work directly with us. And the second thing we're doing is we are making it far easier for books to spread. So Poke the Box comes in a five-pack and a 52-pack. So if you decide it's an idea you want to spread, it's really cheap and easy comes in a $75 collectible edition because people love souvenirs and it's something they can hold. And it comes in a Kindle edition, which until uh, February 28th costs only a dollar. Uh, and then after that, we'll go up in price when the book actually comes out. The point is that the more ways we can make it so that a book spreads, if we can have abundance instead of scarcity, then the idea has more impact. When ideas have more impact, publishers do better. Great. Okay. No, I think... Um, I think that's clarifying a little bit. So I'm just wondering how, I guess, what's the next step? What can people do, do to get involved with the Domino Project? Well, there's a few things. If you go to our blog, uh, 
uh, there's some things to read, and it would be great if you signed up. We have a street team uh, of a few dozen people on its way to a few hundred that we give special tools to and previews so that they can spread the word uh, to people they care about. Uh, and mostly, uh, you can copy us. You can rip us off. You can start your own company. You can publish your own work. You can start a blog. You can grab the microphone that is available to everyone and use it to make a difference. Great, Seth. Well, uh, that's all the questions I had, to you, had for you. Thanks a lot for taking the time today. And I think, you know, if everyone takes away one thing from this interview, it's really about making that leap, taking some action, um, and not going after a million dollars, like you said, but the smallest things of interacting with someone, you know, simple blog post that is all it can mean. Um, and just get out there and start doing it and start learning from experiences. So, I don't know if there's anything else you had to add, but um, thank you. Well, I just want to thank you for the work you're doing. Uh, leading is not easy. Leading is important, and I hope you'll keep doing it. Definitely. We, we plan on, Seth. Don't worry about that. <laughs> cool. Thanks, man. All right. Take care. You have a great day now.